Hello again and welcome to this week's Leap of Faith on tonight's programme, Fearless Women and Fearless Christians, as we hear from Miriam O'Regan, founder of a conference taking place in Dublin, celebrating what God is doing through women in Ireland. High upon our favourite hill Pockets full of dreams fulfilled and featuring the voice of worship leader, award-winning country and gospel singer, Philippa Hanna. And we'll also be hearing about a new occasional series on RTE1 television on Sunday mornings. Life and Soul, presented by Anya O'Neill and Colm Flynn, sets out to take a fresh approach to Christian faith. How has your own strong faith, Dave, pushed you to do the work you're doing? It's not so much being driven, it's more being led by it and answering what I believe is, is a bit of a call to go and, and do this. I would hate to think that if one of my kids was ill, was after being in a row, was drunk or whatever, or my neighbour's kids or anybody, and someone passed them by and didn't help out, then I'd say, you know, I'd be really disappointed. So this is an opportunity to help out in a very practical way. And Life and Soul's producer and presenter Anya O'Neill will be joining us in a few moments' time. For my first guest, time spent in Munich working while a student in the early 1980s was to have a profound effect on her faith and resonates to this day in her Christian beliefs. Joining me now is Miriam O'Regan, the founder of Fearless Women and one of the organisers of a national event taking place in a fortnight's time at the Helix in Dublin. Miriam, the second album is often the challenge for an artist. For you, this is the second conference. How are you going to make things different this year? Well, this year we've responded to some of the feedback we got from last year by making it longer. So instead of just being Saturday, it's now Friday evening and Saturday. And as well as that, we got ourselves a female worship leader. Um, So we had a guy called Brian Houston last year, who's fantastic from the north of Ireland with his daughter. But this year we've got a girl called Philippa Hanna, who's an English uh, contemporary Christian music artist who just won... Gospel Artist of the Year as mm. the awards over there. So we're kind of excited about that. So, yeah, we're trying to push it a little bit more. What is, for you, will be a good uh, conference? I mean, what's the output at the end of that you'll say, yeah, that was that was a good use of our time? Yeah. I, I mean, the tagline for Fearless is be the difference. So I suppose we have a quite activist turn of mind in in the way we're thinking about things. So last year's event at the end there was a sort of call to action yeah? and out of it has come a ministry that's just starting up now called Zoe Era which is the idea is to have local volunteers in local parishes and churches who help women in crisis pregnancy and so that's a new thing that's come out of it. So what do I think would be good for this year? I guess I suppose I'd like to see more of that. More women saying, yeah, I can make a difference. Yeah, I could do something. I could open a a food bank or whatever it might be. I I just was surprised to see that in fact, yeah, people did respond to the call to action. Mm. And um, so we have several ministries this year who are coming along and they're hoping to find volunteers, including Zoe. There's like Mums in Prayer. What do they do? Uh, They organise Mums at schools to pray together for their school, for the kids in their school. Um, And then there's Team Hope, you're probably aware of. They do the shoebox appeal. There's, of course, Compassion Ireland. And there will be the opportunity to maybe sponsor a child in deepest, darkest Africa or certainly in the poorest nations of the world. There's several different ones. And I'm hoping at the very minimum that some people will go, yeah, actually... I'd like to do that. I'm intrigued by the, the <laughs> name. You know, you say fearless women. Yeah. The, the, the opposite of fearless is fearful. That's right. What are you fearless of? Uh, yeah, OK, so how that came about was I felt 
the Lord leading me to start a conference, but I had no real, I hadn't a name for it, but anyway. So I was talking to a counsellor friend and she said, oh, call it fearless. She says, because most women really struggle with fear. I was like, yeah, you're right, actually. That's a good, you know, we, we, you know the way you toy, you throw words around. Mm. So I went with that. And my sister, when I told her, she kind of goes, fearless. She goes, maybe we can think of it as fearless and do more. Mm. And I'm like, okay, that's actually also a good way to think about it. So I suppose it's it's kind of punching through everything from anxiety and, and the sort of day-to-day mm, -day fears that can hold us back to the fear of doing, taking us a leap of faith and doing something new, something different, something mm. out of the box. Mm. Yeah, so fearless addresses those ideas. And yet there will be many people who will go and some people will go with faith and you would hope you would also get, I presume, people of, of no faith. Yeah. Um, when, when you think about the idea of evangelising, of, of declaring your faith to yeah, people, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that actually takes courage, doesn't it? It does, it does. And I think that um, given all the scandals and so on in the church in Ireland, that a lot of Christians and Christian women too feel intimidated and don't know how to talk about their faith in a way that's cool, for want of a better word, or relevant or, mm. you know, and I know how that feels. You know, you, you, you want to say something to someone that's helpful and you want to talk about faith, but you don't know how to get through that <laughs> perhaps imaginary barrier. Um, so, yeah, I think that's another barrier that... that you know, when meeting together as women of faith from different churches and denominations, you get to feel out what other people are doing and what's mm. happening. And, and even just, that's so encouraging. Your own journey to where you are today yeah. is, is quite an interesting one because, you know, you would have, as you say, been brought up in the Catholic faith yeah. as, as a young woman. Yeah. Um, and then at that, around the 1970s, 1980s, there was very much a charismatic movement. Yeah. I, yeah. I, actually, I don't think holds the same uh, space that it had before. That's but, true. But what was that? Was that was the attraction that yes. came to you? The yes, that was the first. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> truthfully, I got to say, I, I became a Christian or I got saved or I got born again, whatever way you want to praise that. Mm. Um, I came to a living faith mm. um, because I was scared to death of the devil. I read, all I did was read a review of The Exorcist. Mm. Scared the living daylights out of me. I didn't even go and see the movie. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Could not sleep for nights. Just scared to pieces. And finally... A friend of mine had started going to one of these charismatic prayer meetings. And one night I said to God, if you let me go to sleep, I promise I'll go to one of those meetings. Mm. <laughs> and when I went, yeah, I found something alive there that I hadn't experienced at Mass before that. Uh, I'm not saying it wasn't there at all, but I hadn't, uh, you know, felt, felt something real, the presence of God, as I would have, you know... And so that was my first step. And then I started to go regularly to charismatic prayer meetings in my late teens. And even on campus, we had a, a prayer meeting there in, at UCD. Um, but, but over time, I suppose, I, um, I was quite half-hearted. You know, I, I, I believed in God and I knew there was, it was real. Um, but at the same time, I really wanted to do my own thing, mm. you know. And so I did my own thing for about a year and a half and it felt dreadful and felt awful. Now from there and all that activity in Dublin, you find yourself heading to Germany, to Munich in particular. Yeah, yeah. I was a student at the time and I had just finished my degree. I did a degree in French. I worked for a year in France and then I went to the summer for the summer to Munich to meet up with all my friends and we were working in hotels there and, you know, all that kind of thing. And when I was in Munich in 1981, I ran up against, uh, up in, actually they were staying in my hotel where I was working, a team of young Americans. And as you know, Americans are frightfully cool. 
Anyway, mm. it turned out they were a bunch of young uh, Christians and they were over doing street evangelism, which was really something I had never seen before. I was completely bowled over at the thought of going out in the street and singing, you know, Jesus is the answer to the world today. I was kind of like in awe. But through them, I came in touch with a, a church there that's now called Evangelium Centrum. And that's when I, I kind of, I would say, how I would put it would be, I surrendered my life to God. Mm. Before that, I was scared that that would involve nonhood, to be honest with you. Um, but at that point, <laughs> I realised, no, it involves just me mm. giving my life and then seeing what happens. What happened at home when oh. this was going on? Well, what happened for me was then I just left the Catholic Church at that point because I felt that was what God wanted me to do. My father did not agree. He couldn't understand why I couldn't give my life to God and be a Catholic. Of course, now I see his point. But when I was 21, I didn't. Mm. <laughs> I, I just thought, nope, this is the way. I have to do it this way. And uh, my poor parents, you know, they were really very worried about me. Now, of course, I understand. At the time, I was like, well, there's really no problem. But I was reading the Bible much more than I'd ever had before. They were really worried that I was being brainwashed. Mm. And, you know, it was all that sort of cults and all that type of thing. And they even had the bishop's emissary out to me, who gave them some very wise advice. The advice of Gamaliel in the book of Acts, who says something to the effect, if this is God, you won't be able to stop it. But if you just let it be, and it's not of God, it'll die of itself. That's what he said about the early church. So my father thought, okay. I'll do that. And um, let me go back to Munich because I said I'm going back for a year and I worked there for a year and I was part of this church for all that time. Mm. And um, I had a great year. I grew in my faith. It was great to be with a bunch of young people who really were on fire for God. Those are terms we'd have used. Sold out. Those are all the terms we were using at the time. Mm. Listening to the likes of Keith Green and Amy Grant. I mean, that was really hot happening stuff then. And uh, yeah, that's where my faith became, I suppose, a cornerstone in my life, which I've never left since. I mean, I've had my ups and downs, but never abandoned my faith. So what's made it consistent for you that you're here talking to me today about yeah. a conference coming up in a couple of weeks yeah. and you're still engaged? Yeah. This sounds like a, a, a funny answer to that question, but I, I've actually been reading a lot about the monks um, and I'm doing a, um, a daily devotional called The Daily Office based on the monastic kind of rule of life. And they talked a lot about how by having a, a rule of life, you would kind of create a path that you'd stay walking on. And looking back now, that's actually what happened. I created a rule of life for myself, really. It wasn't that the church or any church imposed it on me, but I started to, you know, take time every day to pray and read my Bible. And that became just part of my life. I just do that every day. I take time to wait on the Lord, meditate, pray, read my Bible. That's just an, a half an hour or an hour, but I do it every single day. And and then I became very, I became involved with local churches. And when I was in Munich, it was in Evangelium Centrum. Came back here, got involved with local churches here. I've always been, that's a, another part of my, I realise now I could call it my rules life. Mm. I go to church every Sunday. Yeah. And I don't, I, I virtually never miss. I mean, you know, once a couple of times a year, but not. Uh, and and uh, and then my, I married, my husband was of like mind. And um, we became part always, whatever church we've been in, we've been part of the leadership team, part of serving, part of leading a home group or a prayer meeting or something. Uh, and and so through yeah. that, in that way, mm. 
it's literally part of my life. Let's go back to the conference for a bit because okay. uh, the only things that uh, that I'm curious about, you had men at the one last year, but no men this year other than maybe the boss himself. Which boss? Jesus. Oh, well, that one, yes, of course. I was thinking for a minute, what do you mean? Um, yes, I think it's important for Irish women particularly uh, to have a platform and a place where their voice can be heard. I do. Um, at a certain point, we did have a, a you know, we, we came to a conclusion that the Bible says in Christ there's neither male nor female. So there was a debate in the sort of early 90s and the church I was in at the time before I was allowed to become a regular on the mm. preaching roast, roster or whatever mm. you want to say. Uh, but like, I thought that was all done and dusted. But about five years, four, four years ago now, maybe, I um, I shared an article on my Facebook page one day that was called, well, it was a little bit, I suppose, uh, it was called yeah a bit provocative okay. it was called the myth of male headship it was a provocative title but the article was actually a very good article and it was about women in England and Ireland who were maybe going to Bible college or doing stuff like that and finding it very difficult to make any progress in their local churches in terms of being accepted as preachers or ministers and so on and I shared it because it rang bells for me I thought well how easy it is, is it actually for someone in our a girl in our church to you know now in fact, we would be very proactive in that. But I did realise that it wasn't the same. And when I put it up, I was shocked at the number of friends of mine, male friends, who gave gave me hell for that article, told me it was theologically unsound. And I was like, well, no, it's actually a girl's story, really. But anyway, they did, obviously the title did kind of ask a, a big question. <laughs> but it's still, it's still causing you an itch. Yeah. It was one of the things that made me think, what should I do? I, I did feel like I need to do something here because I actually feel, I mean, and that's only growing, that sense of, of uh, how, how important it is that the church, I mean, big capital church, not the Catholic or Protestant church, but the church has a message of liberation for women and empowerment for women. I mean, Jesus spoke to women as disciples, which in the time and at that day, was very revolutionary. We don't we don't realize it now how revolutionary it was that he spoke to Mary and Martha as as disciples and that he revealed that his resurrection was revealed first to a woman. So she was in fact the first apostle. The, even now it's a bit controversial to say that, but back then that was completely mind-boggling. What's the gift you get from your faith? In what way? What what makes it all worthwhile? Well, that Jesus is with me every day and that no matter what my life throws, what life throws at me and life has thrown a few curveballs at me, that he's always with me. That's, that's the thing. And so because of that, I might experience great anxiety at times or great, and I have done because, you know, I'm human. But at the end of the day, I find peace and hope and faith to get up and go and courage again from my relationship with Jesus. So it's the relationship with Jesus himself, his presence with me. That's to me is the greatest gift, I have to say. And in 30 seconds, why should people, and women particularly, yes. on this particular go, head to the Helix in October on the 11th and 12th? I suppose because they will have an encounter with the living God. I think that's that's what I believe and that's what I hope for for each one of them. That whatever their need, the need is in their life, whatever that might be, that they will find living answers and that it won't just be uh, um, 
an entertaining afternoon or a, a nice religious, you know, tick that box type of thing, but actually something impactful in their lives. That's what I'd hope for. Mary Morrigan, thank you for joining us on The Leap of Faith. You're welcome. And you can find out more about the Fearless Women event on the 11th and 12th of October on fearlesswomen.ie. If you go before me, I could plant a million flowers. So even from this valley, whenever I look up. Well, my next guest is expressing her faith in a very different way. Producer and presenter Anya O'Neill is joining forces with Colm Flynn for another episode in the occasional series of Life and Soul on RTE1 television, which can be seen at 11 o'clock this Sunday morning. Colm's a regular reporter and presenter with the BBC World Service and RTE, and his reports reflect his keen interest in faith. Did you find that when you're studying in an environment like the lab in Trinity College, you know, hardcore science, Mm -hmm. did you ever feel a bit reluctant to talk about your faith to others? Well, for me, like, it's really important to, like, know who you are and be confident in who you are and know your identity and know that you're loved. So for me, I can't be anyone but myself. And I think if I was to change who I am just to please other people, like, then they're not really being, they don't really know the real me then. So it's kind of a fake relationship. And joining me in the studio this evening is Life and Soul producer and presenter Anya O'Neill. Anya, you're very welcome. Thank you. And congratulations on the series. Uh, you're heading in this weekend for uh, episode number three. Tell us about Life and Soul and, and what the you know the <coughs> objective of the programme was and is, because there's a couple of them coming down the line for us. Yeah. So episode three, which is going to air this Sunday, we wanted, so Scratch Films, it's an independent production, and Scratch Films, it was the brainchild of Lee McGrath, who was the CEO, and basically he wanted to do something different um, in terms of Christian broadcasting, Christian programming. And we wanted to reach, in a sense, non-believers, if that's how people would class themselves, because we wanted to tell the stories of real people. So it's very hard to argue with real stories, real people, which is what people are getting in the show. And we'll be mm-hmm. hearing some of them uh, as we talk now. But it's it's easier then to argue against an institution, say, that you might not believe in or, you know, look at it that way. Whereas we were like, well, you know, these are real people and these are real stories. And that's what we wanted. You make no bones about it. The focus of the programme is for people with a Christian belief mm-hmm. or at least who, who still are holding on to some form of belief. Absolutely. Which we found there are very, very many. Um, so we went all over Ireland and we will do a bit more travelling for, for the later episodes. Speaking to people that we want to give them a platform, I guess, it's almost nearly a taboo subject sometimes in parts of Ireland not Mm. to maybe talk about your faith or religion at all whereas we wanted to give people a platform to be like oh no say it loud and say it proud what your faith is I heard somebody the other day say that it's the new closet that if you come out of the closet (laughs) as a Christian that you you, you risk uh, you know people judging you of course look I felt that myself I I don't hide the fact that I have a strong faith I would class myself as a Jesus follower 100% what it's done for me and my life um, you know uh, but at the same time as well, I can also understand when someone comes to me and says, oh, well, look, I don't necessarily believe or I don't agree with this and I don't agree with that. Mm. I'm like, that's not, there's room for, for discussion. Let's everyone talk. But don't put me down, say, for my belief, the same way I won't put you down for, for not having a belief or what your belief might be. There's room for everyone and, and different ways to think, you know. But I also detect in, 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 in what you're talking about is the idea mm. that people are not necessarily looking for an element of organisation to their faith. 
that's it and, and and we that's what life and soul what we want is for the people that might necess- might not necessarily have a connection to an institution or a, a, a church or, or religion as as we would usually know it like my, me myself I don't class myself as religious I class myself as relational you know I'm all about the people and I might not enter a church but that doesn't mean my faith is any less and having seen some of the earlier programs but there is a theme that a lot of times people will turn to to God or to a faith or to something when their own lives are in, in distress. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious about, you know, when when something happens in a person's life, um, and you, you made a point to me uh, when we were chatting earlier about the idea that you can sometimes face grief with faith mm-hmm. and without it. Expand on that a bit. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And that was just like, I guess we were having a, a personal chat. Like I, I lost a, a sister when I was 14. My sister was 16, just a, a freak accident. Um, she passed away. And then only recently, um, six months ago, my brother passed away. When I was younger, I didn't necessarily have a strong faith. I, I felt that maybe there was something out there. But again, I was like, this isn't, I lost my sister, my best friend. At a time, this is so hard. There's nothing that can put this to rights. And so I would have continued on like that. Whereas now I'm very solid in my faith. And when my brother passed away, I just, it, it, my faith was my comfort. So this time, it wasn't that I was running away from God being like, oh, there, there can't be because this is so so tragic. I was like, there has to be a reason for this to happen. You know, there's obviously some sort of answer that I'm just not aware of now, but I've grieved two siblings, one with faith and one without, and give me faith in every instance of my life. So help me. <laughs> now, there's another character on this Sunday's programme, um, Stephen, yeah. I have to say. Love him. <laughs> <laughs> you can't not love him no. and he certainly carries a certain enthusiasm for, for, for the way he tells his story yeah. here's Stephen setting things up and then we'll talk about him in a moment around this time was there much mention of God was God in still no, not in your life Anya absolutely no, no how listen, did you come back I to avoided, that I avoided I'll be honest I avoided Christians like the plague but it was then that God started to move in my life uh, regarding my, if I can use the word, restoration. I decided that I would rent my house. You know, I was hardly ever here. The house was uh, broken into once or twice. Mm-hmm. And I put an ad in the paper. So long story short, four Christian guys moved into my house. I didn't know them from Adam. I said, OK, I'm going to move into this downstairs room, which had been a converted garage. The three lads were upstairs. You can stay on one condition. You promise me that you will never ever talk to me about God or spiritual matters or Jesus or faith. I said, I'm up to here with it. Mm. So I did, even though I was doing my own thing, living downstairs, mm. they were all, you know, living upstairs. You I never was, interacted really? Oh or? yeah, but, but you know, it was very, ah, how are you, Jerry? You yeah. can see you, listen, God, ah, is that the time? Yeah. You know, and I keep moving, you know, I didn't want to get into personal conversation with them. I was civil, polite, courteous, but I kept my distance. Mm -hmm. But one of the lads, uh, he was a very nervous lad, and I'm sure at times, and and I'm being honest, I'm sure at times maybe I I didn't help his nerves. He was a nervous lad. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, he's from the country, he would tell me as to how he found Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I'm being honest, inside I was bored, stupid. But I I stress I was only joking. This is important in case listeners think that fella needs, you know, serious counselling. He was telling me about Jesus and I had to go back into work and I'd forgotten to 
take my prison baton out of my uniform trousers. And I whipped it out like that, you see, and he's talking to Jesus, and I said to him, if you don't stop talking about Jesus, I'll play a drum solo on your head with this baton. And I must have thought I was back in the zone in Mount Joy. Right. Because I was messing. He ran up the stairs into his bedroom, and I shouted up the stairs after him, and I said, and you can stay in that bedroom, and don't come out till you learn to stop talking about Jesus. So next minute, I heard, he'd actually locked the door. I heard the door unlock and the door open and a little gentle voice shouted down, Stephen, that will never work. He still loves you. He still forgives you and he'll still take you back, you know. And with that, he slammed the door again and he locked it. <laughs> so it was amazing on you. That was the turning point for me. Okay. God used a very, very nervous, meek, young, meek gentle, mm -hmm. young man. God used him, who was a bag of nerves, who ran up the stairs in fear, locked his door, but was still determined to say something. And he overcame his fear, and I'll be eternally grateful to that man, because that was the start of it. Steve McWinney, uh, who uh, is now a pastor in Dublin, I think. Only. He is indeed, yeah. Now listen, the crack I had with Stephen, I loved him. The interview went on for about six hours. The lads were looking at me being like, are, are you right? Just because the two of us were just bouncing off each other and mm. he is the best person that you want to be around. He's as large in, in life as he comes across on TV. Mm. Now, music has made uh, its way into the programme. It's yeah. quite a strong feature of it. Uh, yeah. What's happening there? Now listen, I was going to sing myself here, but I said no, I won't, right. you know, so I'll leave you with <laughs> it. loads of tea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we have, so we wanted to mix it up as well, um, just with, with music. We wanted to bring in some more different worship type music, mm -hmm. if, if that's the right way. So we've, uh, like for episode two, for example, we had I Am Worship, which is a Catholic band. And then we had Rand Collective, which is a, a present of Protestant Faith Band. And that was for our Northern Ireland special. So for this episode, again, it's a mixture of worship type music. But for me, I have to say, we have um, Will Reagan and United Pursuit and hopefully you have a clip of them even to, to share with the audience. We might finish on that as well. Set it up for us. Yeah, so this is uh, Will Reagan and look, even people will see the beautiful harmonies that are there. Um, amazing song, You Carried Me. So I hope everyone enjoys. And you can see Life and Soul this Sunday morning at 11 o'clock on RTE One Television and you can also hear it on RTE Radio One Extra at the same time. Well, before we leave you, to our Jewish listeners... Shana Tova, Happy New Year as you prepare to mark Rosh Hashanah this Sunday. From our producer Sheila O'Callaghan and me Michael Cummins, good night. Holy God of our faith You are welcome in this place You are welcome in this place Holy God of our faith You are welcome in this place there you can hear that program again on Sunday morning at half past ten on RTE Radio 1 Extra or anytime at your own leisure on the RTE Radio Player and if you'd like to drop an email to the program the address is faith at rte.ie
On Monday evening, September 30th, Arena will host a public interview with the playwright Marina Carr, who's the author of plays including By the Bog of Cats and On Raftery's Hill. The event will be broadcast live on RTE Radio 1 from the Project Arts Centre at 7pm on Monday, September 30th. And you can book free tickets on DublinTheatreFestival.ie or by calling 01 Now on RTE Radio 1, we join Fergal Keane for Seascapes. Hello, good evening and welcome to Seascapes. Tonight, we'll hear from fisherman on 